0: Welcome you, and uh, glad that you're here. I'm glad that I am here, and uh, it is always to be it's always wonderful to be in church during Christmas, isn't it? And if you are our guest, we welcome you and thank you for coming to the Burlington Baptist Church. and if you're a guest and you're wondering who I am, I'm LD. Campbell. I've been a pastor in this community for forty six years. When I came to first church forty six years ago, I was six foot and had a head of curly hair. And they wore me down to this nub. And Oh, the bishop is here this morning. Oh, oh the bishop is here this morning. <laughs> That's about the ugliest sweater that I've ever seen. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and he's a Green Bay Packers person. He needs to get saved, really. So we'll all have to kiss, line up, and kiss the ring after church is over today. So I don't know what a Baptist bishop is, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're glad to see Jim. I love Jim, and he and I used to sit uh, together. He used to sit behind me and uh, scream in my ear at the ball games. But um, now I'm deaf, so I, I so it's okay. So we're glad to see you Jim. You know we love you. And I'm glad that you're here. I have the privilege of being on loan to you f- uh from First Church uh until uh, I don't know when. Uh, you have a you have a congregational meeting tonight. That may be the end of me. Yeah. <laughs> you 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 Baptists and those congregational meetings scare me to death. Yeah. So uh that may be the, that may be the end of me. So <laughs> so so we will we will see. Uh, I've had the privilege to be here during the month of December, and it has been it has been an honor. I don't feel like a guest anymore; I just feel like part of the family. Let's pray. Father, on this third week of Advent, let us remember that the good news of Jesus' birth has power to bring us great joy during this Christmas season. So help us learn anew that our joy isn't dependent on what's going on in our life or in our world or the people that we're with. It depends not on the gifts that we receive or the gifts we find under the tree. Help us to realize that no earthly thing can ever complete our joy because our joy comes from you. And that joy that flooded the hearts of the shepherds and the angels and the wise men and the host of heaven and Mary and Joseph is the joy that still has power to overwhelm our hearts with rejoicing and our joy father is in the gift that you gave us in Jesus at christmas our joy is so encompassed in our savior Jesus Christ the lord so flood our hearts this christmas season as we reflect upon what it means to have the joy that you have brought to us. Now I pray that you pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today. Give each of us just the message you want us to hear, because we pray to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. I hear more people say, I will be glad when Christmas is over. We have added so many activities to the season, and what used to be a celebration now has turned into a frustration. We have turned the recognition of a miracle into a running marathon, and then when we reach the finish line on December the 26th, We say, I am glad that it's over. But you know what happens after it's over? you got to take the Christmas tree down. How many of you lose your salvation when you're putting up a Christmas tree? you got to take it down and put it away. But thank goodness it's over for another year, I hear people say. Well, the USA Today, in their little snapshot section, say that real fast, had a little survey that, triggered anxiety at Christmas, and you probably can find yourself right here. Fifty-two percent said not enough money. Well, it's never enough money. Seventy-three percent said too much traffic, and all God's people said, "Woo, woo." Seventy-five percent said not enough time. Did you find yourself somewhere in there? Or maybe it's all three of them. Our sermon today is to come home to joy, to the joy of Christmas. I want to talk to you about the prescription for celebrating Christmas joy. And the prescription is found right in the middle of the Christmas story. Luke, the second chapter. But the angel reassured them Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. Notice what the angel said. I bring you good news of great joy. Now, the prescription for celebrating Christmas joy is right in that text. I want to pull out two principles from that text that will help you to increase your joy during Christmas. The first one is this. Expect joy. Expect the joy of Christmas. God told us to expect joy. Kay Warren has written a good book about joy. But so before we get into it, I guess we need to know what joy is. Her definition of joy is the best definition that I've found in a long time. She writes a book called Choose Joy Because Happiness Isn't Enough. And she defines joy this way. She says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. Amen? The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in every situation isn't that a good definition Jesus said in John ten ten, the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy and my purpose is to give life in all of its fullness John sixteen twenty two from the message translates it this way this is Jesus talking to the disciples when I see you again you will be full of joy and, and you will be, you'll be full of joy and it will be a joy no one can rob so Jesus is saying, expect joy. So how do we build this expectation of joy? I want, let, I want us to let the shepherds teach us. I want us to let the shepherds teach us about how we can experience the joy that was announced over the shepherds' fields. First of all, realize that joy isn't everywhere, elsewhere. It is here. It is here. It's not out there. It is here. Look what the angel said. That night, some of the shepherds in the fields outside the village, guarding their flocks of sheep, and suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared, what's the word, among them. The angels came right where they were, and in the routine of taking care of those smelly, dirty sheep, brought this message of incredible joy. Now, you may feel like you've been in a rut for the last 20 years and it's not going to be any different this Christmas. My life's not going to be any different coming to 2019. And you're thinking, right. How can God bring joy into my life here and now? How can he bring joy into what I am? Now, folks, there is power behind the kind of joy that God wants to give you. Look at the screen. It's in Psalm 31, verse 7. I am overcome with joy because of your unfailing love. For you have seen my troubles, and you care about the anguish of my soul. Isn't that a great verse? I am overcome with joy because of what? Your unfailing love. Love Now, Christmas is supposed to be a time of joy, but Christmas is a time of anxiety for a lot of people. A lot of people have anguish in their soul during Christmas. And this verse reminds us that God wants to bring joy into our lives, into the anguish of our souls by his unfailing love. God's unfailing love is the bridge between the anguish of our souls and the joy that he wants us to have. Now, that, that's why we can expect joy in the here and in the now. God has power to do something in our lives. This joy is not somewhere else. It is here. It's not then and there. It is now. So the shepherds also teach us that this joy isn't found. It was sent. It was sent. Look at verse uh, 10. The angel assured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. See, joy cannot be bought. Joy has to be brought. And it was brought in Jesus. Now, sometimes we miss the joy that's really on our doorstep. Because I think sometimes we, 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 we want it so bad that we just look too hard for it. And we're out there working to find it rather than realizing that God wants to bring it into our lives as a gift. So expect it this Christmas. Expect joy this Christmas. There's something else that the shepherds did. Choose joy. Choose joy. There were choices that the shepherds made that allowed joy to become their experience. And there's some choices that you'll have to make if you want to experience the joy of Christmas. Look two again. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Come, let us go to Bethlehem. Let us see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They ran to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the babe lying in a manger. The shepherds went back to their fields and flocks, glorifying and praising God for what they had seen and, uh, and what praising God for what the angels had told them because they had seen the child Just as the angels said. Now, there are three ways, though. Three ways. If you want to experience Christmas, let the shepherds teach you. The shepherds made three choices. Let's go. Let's see. And they returned glorifying and praising God. If you want to choose joy, like the shepherds had, you have got to go and see. To experience God's joy, you have to go and see for yourself. Now, it's easy to stay out there in the fields, it's easy to stay out there in the fields wondering what happened, wondering if this is true, but the shepherds had to go and see for themselves. And I think that's the reason why a lot of us do not experience the joy of Christmas or the joy of life, is because we're stuck out there in the fields wondering Can this be true? No, it's probably not true. It can't be true. It's too good to be true. But in faith, choose to go and see. You see, the world is running over with people, I think, that are stuck out in the fields wondering. They're wondering, is it true? Is this good news about Jesus too good to be true? Instead of wondering, out in the fields, why don't you go and see? And then when you go and see for yourself, as the shepherds did, you will experience his joy. Now, I am convinced the reason some of us have never experienced joy is because somebody in our life, some religious person, told us that joy and God don't go together. You know, I grew up in the mountains of East Tennessee. And our preachers looked like they had the bellyache all the time. They did. They did. They did. And I, I almost didn't become a preacher because I can't be like that. You know? Some of them actually taught that God wants us to have this frown on our face and look like we've got a sour stomach because this is serious business. Well, it is serious business. But there is no better way to face the challenges of life than with joy. Can you remember when life was joyful? When did everything become so serious? Somewhere between childhood and right now, life has become a grim downer for too many people. Why does a healthy sense are a well-exercised sense of humor and a joyful life have to be sacrificed on the altar of adult responsibilities. We have our grandchildren are all about the same. They're in their 20s. And our granddaughter said to her mother, I don't like being an adult. (laughs) There's too much responsibility. I just don't like being an adult. Now, I know we live in tough times. I know that more than most of you. You know, I've had people say to me, well, you don't live in the real world. If you say that to me, I will rip your lips off. <laughs> I live in the real world. I, Jim knows what we're talking about. I see life in the raw every week. I live in the real world more than most of you and most of you. But I know of no greater joy today than a contagious, outrageous childhood joy. And Jim gets around a lot of churches. I get around a lot of churches. And you visit most churches and you search for signs of happiness and joy and laughter. And it's not there. Joy, the gigantic secret of the Christian, as C.S. Lewis calls it is absence and it's conspicuous and folks i find that inexcusable the church ought to be the one place on earth where our burdens are made lighter and where where we should reflect genuine enthusiasm and joy it ought to be the place where our lives are lifted up a little bit and i go to a lot of places And it's not happening, and it bothers me. Now, (laughs) some of you probably hadn't laughed a lot this week. Some of you hadn't smiled since your honeymoon. (laughs) So we're just going to take time to laugh. Congregational meeting's coming tonight. I'm probably done. (laughs) I heard Chuck Swindoll, the great preacher, tell this story, and he said it was true. All our preacher stories are true. You know that. (laughs) He said a grandmother was spending the evening with her precious little 10-year-old granddaughter. And just out of the clear blue, her little granddaughter said, Grandma, how old are you? Well, honey, when you're my age, you don't share your age with anybody. Well, Grandma, you can tell me. You can trust me. No, dear, I don't tell anybody my age. Well, grandmother got busy fixing supper and realized that her granddaughter had been missing for about 30 minutes, which was far too long. So she went to check on her. She found her upstairs. She was sitting in the middle of her grandmother's bed, and she had dumped the the contents of her grandmother's purse on the bed. And there she was, sitting in the middle of that mess, holding her grandmother's driver's license. And when their eyes met, she said, Grandma, you are 76 years old. She said, that's right, honey. Now you know. How do you know? Well, I, I took the day of your birth, and I subtracted it from this year, and you're 76. She said, that's right, honey. I'm 76. The little girl kept looking at her grandmother's driver's license. She said, but Grandma, it says here. That you made an F in sex. (laughs) If you have a problem with that, write the bishop. (laughs) God wants to bring joy into our lives at Christmas don't miss it. To experience the joy of Christmas, you have to go and see. Now, how do you experience this joy? Get on a plane and go to Bethlehem? No, no, no. Look at Psalm 61, verse 11. Being with you, this is being with God, will fill me with joy. Now, When we make the choice to be with Jesus, we're filled with joy. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you've never made that choice. I'm telling you, you don't have joy. You may have happiness, but you don't have joy. And maybe as a believer, you have not been spending time alone with God. And if you don't take time to spend with him every day, you're you're not going to have the joy that he talked about. I know that some of us Christians are so busy doing things for God that we forget to spend time with God. So if you want to have the joy, look what the verse says. Being with you will fill me with joy. And it's no wonder some of us have lost the joy because we don't spend time with him. Now you may think, well now, Eldie, it's spending time with him, I'm one of those 75% people who doesn't have enough time to do all this Christmas stuff. Let me give you something practical to do this week. This will work. Something practical to do this week that will help you to have a greater sense of joy this Christmas. Here it is. Don't do something this week. Just don't do something this week. You don't have to go to every party in the county. Just don't do something this week so that you will have time to experience the joy of Christmas. We have turned this season into a crazy time. And who thought up all this stuff that we do? In one month's time, I tell you what let's do. Let's write a letter to everybody that we've ever known. In one month's time, let's go to more parties in one month than we do the previous 11. And during this one month, let's make a million cookies. That'd be a fun thing to do. And during this one month, let's buy presents for everybody we like and people we don't even like. And during this one month, this is a great thing to do. Let's redecorate the house both inside and out. That would be a wonderful thing to do. And right in the middle of this, what do we do? We let the kids out for two weeks. Who thought of that? (laughs) Don't do something this week. And perhaps if we would be still, we could hear... The angels sing. Perhaps if we could be still, we would come upon a midnight clear and observe the silent stars go by. Don't do something this week so that you can enjoy and experience Christmas. All right, how do you choose joy? Go and see, and then go and tell. Go and tell got to tell somebody about the joy you've experienced. That's exactly what the shepherds did. Look at this. Then the shepherds told everybody what happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Now, there is something wonderful about telling people good news. There's just something wonderful about it. When you share good news with somebody else, what does it do? It magnifies our joy, doesn't it? When something happens to you, there's probably one or two people that you want to call immediately and share it because you just cannot keep it to yourselves. See, folks, you can't bottle up joy. If you do, it will go sour. You have to share it with someone else. Now, when the shepherd shared the joy, what happened? The people were astonished. They were astonished. You will be amazed at how astonished people will be if you share with them the good news of what Christmas is all about. Now I'm going to give you something practical to do. You got a bulletin. If you don't have a bulletin, I know you men don't, but your wives do. So you got a bulletin. Get your bulletin. Get your bulletin. I'm serious about this. Get your bulletin. There are pins on the back of those chairs. I want you to write the name of one person that you're going to invite to come to our Christmas Eve service. There are people out there that are longing for an invitation to a Christmas Eve service, and if you give it to them, they will come. Christmas is the the greatest time to invite people to come to church. They're more open at Christmas than any other time of the year. We're going to have a beautiful Christmas Eve service, quiet quiet. Meditative. It's going to be beautiful, and and invite somebody to come. They will thank you for inviting them because it's going to be a good experience. So I think you'll find that more people are astonished uh, when you invite them. All right, where are we? How do we come home to joy? We go and see. We go and tell. And then we go back rejoicing. Go and see, tell what we saw, and go back to our lives rejoicing. The shepherds went back to being shepherds, taking care of those smelly, dirty, dumb sheep. Right back in the middle of that mess they went. But they went back rejoicing. Because they had experienced the joy. You see, the shepherds attacked the attitude that says, if only things were different, we could be joyful. Nothing had changed in their lives. Their circumstances had not changed. They were still outcast by the community. They were still the lowest person on the totem pole in the community. They, they, They were considered dirty, foul people. Nothing had changed in their circumstances. But they went back rejoicing. See, the shepherds proved to us that we can have joy right where we are. You know what I would like? I would like for us to invent some way to make joy a, a joy-to-go order, <laughs> a joy-to-go order, so we could take it home. We could take it to work. We could take it to school. We could take it where we play. So how do you do this? How do, you, how, how do you take this joy to go order home? Remember, remember, life might not change, your circumstances might not change, but you can take joy back with you. Remember the definition of joy that we had from K. Warren's book. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. Amen. The quiet confidence. That ultimately, everything is going to be all right. Why is everything going to be all right? Because God is in control. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. One of my favorite Catholic writers is a guy by the name of Ron Rollhauser. He's the dean of one of the Catholic schools out west. He's really involved in spiritual formation. And his books are tremendous. Listen what he says. In a, in a piece he called the, the meaning of Christmas. Uh, uh, listen, listen what he says. Joy is not to be identified with pleasure and with the absence of suffering in our lives. Isn't that good? Genuine joy is a constant that remains with us throughout all our experiences in life, including our pain, and suffering, Jesus promises us a joy that no one can take away from you. Clearly that means that something doesn't disappear because we get sick, have a loved one die, are betrayed by a spouse, lose our job, rejected by a friend, are subjected to physical pain, or are enduring emotional stress. None of us will escape pain and suffering. Listen, joy must be able to coexist with these. Indeed, it is meant to grow deeper through the experiences of pain and suffering. Now, get this. We are meant to be men and women of joy even if we live in pain. Isn't that good? Well, I wish I could write like. I have a friend, one of the dearest friends that I have, who buried his mother on Christmas Eve. I can't even begin to imagine that, can you? Buried his mama on Christmas Eve. And I I, I said, What was Christmas morning like? Find out real quickly he is one of the most joyful guys that you can be around because he has learned that we are meant to be men and women of joy even when we live with pain. Christmas music bothers him terribly because they played it for his mother. First Christmas. to be men and women of joy even as we live in pain. And some of you are facing a lot of anxiety in your marriage, your work, your family, your health. And you need this verse. You need this verse. Look at the screen. I want you to read it out loud with me. It's from Psalm 94, 19. Read it out loud with me. When I am filled with cares your comfort brings me joy when I am filled with cares your comfort brings me joy now God doesn't have the kind of joy that just works when things are going great God doesn't have the kind of joy that well it only works if you don't have any cares no God's joy God's joy God's consolation brings joy even in the midst of the pain. And if your cares are great, I hope you won't count Christmas off. I hope that you just won't bow your head and plow through it and then get to the 26th and say, thank God it is over. Because God wants you to experience joy. And if your cares are great, don't count joy out this Christmas. For unto you has been born a Savior. Now, let's do my little review. Are you with me? All right, do my little review. And you know when I do my little review, it's almost over. All right? Come home to joy this Christmas. How do you do that? Expect joy, choose joy, and go back. Clovis Chapel was one of the greatest Methodist ministers of our country. He was from Flat Rock, Tennessee, and he became a world-renowned Methodist preacher, marvelous preacher. Dr. Chapel tells the Christmas story through the eyes of an old shepherd. He's old now, but he was one of the shepherds that was there that night when the sky lit up with the angels, the brightness of the angels, and he heard music like he had never heard in his life. Now he's sitting on a Judean hill, gazing into the fading embers of an evening fire. And he says, you know, we were scared beyond words that night. We were terrified. But I was a young man then. And we didn't know what to do. But it was very clear. We had a clear message. The angels gave us a clear message, told us, don't be afraid. The long-awaited Messiah has come. He has he been up in Bethlehem just a couple of miles away. And then the angel gave us the invitation to go up there and see the Messiah. And for years, this aging shepherd, when he told that story to his family and to his grandkids and his children, He stopped right there. He stopped right there. And he got silent. And it was as if he was lost in thoughts of long ago. And he told that story to his grandson again and again and again. But when he got to the angel's invitation to go to Bethlehem to see the Messiah, he stopped. And no one in the family ever questioned him about it because it seemed like that he was lost in these private thoughts of long ago remembering. So he's telling his grandson the story. And his grandson, now a teenager, said, Grandfather, what did you do? Did you go to Bethlehem? Did you see the child? Was it like the angel said? what was it like, grandfather, to see the Messiah? And the old man said to his grandson, well, son, some went to see. And his grandson rudely interrupted him, and he said, but grandfather, what was the baby like? Was it like the angels said? What was it like to see the Messiah? And from years of sadness, Shepherd looked into the face of his grandson and said, "I didn't go. I didn't go. The others said it was true. Some said they found the light of God in that baby. Some said they found the power for life in that baby. people here who've never responded to the invitation, go and see. They've never followed the tugging of their heart. see you through all our heartaches these heartaches that sometimes seem to get in the way of experiencing your joy help us father to learn that we are meant to be men and women of joy even in pain thank you for sending Jesus thank you Jesus that you were willing to leave the glory of heaven aside and come to Bethlehem to show us just how rejoicing.